today. Uh, we're going to read the Bible now, and Joan's going to come up and read that for us. It's uh, from Mark chapter 11, verses 12 through to 26. A couple of those people who are at Beach Mission, you're going to get a bit of a double up with a slight variation. <laughs> for anyone that's following it on the, uh, in their pew Bibles, it's page 717. <clears throat> Mark chapter 11, uh, verse 12 to 26. Jesus clears the temples. The next day, as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves, because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And, he and as he taught them, he said, It is not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, a house of Pray for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him, because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. When evening came, they went out of the city. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look. The fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your sins. The Lord bless this reading. Thanks, Joan. I'd mucked up the PowerPoint, so don't didn't quite have it hyperlinked the right way. That things happen, don't they? Technology, it's a great thing. But you've got to make sure you use it properly, otherwise it doesn't quite work, does it? Uh, it's a good question to think about, isn't it? Is uh, where are you at with Jesus? Where are you really at with Jesus in 2018? Now, you might be saying, well, Paul, I'm here. Uh, so that means something. Well, it probably does mean something, but it could mean a whole lot of things, couldn't it? You could be here because... You're here out of guilt. You think, well, should go to church. It's the right thing to do. So you're turning up just because you think it's a good thing to do. Uh, you could be here because it looks good. Uh, I get a good rep. Makes me look shiny. Come to church. I look like I'm a nice person, a good person. You might be here because of that. You might be here because you think I'm going to get brownie points with God. Uh, if I turn up at church then it's going to be an extra little click on the thing there that God will tick off 
on the good things that I do. Maybe you're here for that. Uh, maybe you're here because you actually want to be here. Maybe you're here because you really do want to know more about Jesus. Well, that'd be great, wouldn't it? And I pray that is the case. But we have a whole lot of reasons for being here sometimes, don't we? There's a whole lot of things running through our heads. And sometimes it could be a mixture of all those things together. Uh, well, it's good for us to think through that, isn't it? Why are we here? But then to be thinking through, where are we really at with Jesus within all of that? Where are you really at with Jesus? Well, that's the question I want you to keep thinking about as we go through this passage this morning. Where are you really at with Jesus? Where would you like to be at with Jesus in 2018? Because uh, this passage in Mark is an interesting passage. Last week, Jake spoke to us from a passage a little bit further on in Mark. Uh, this week, we're going to go here. Next week, Les is going to jump us a little bit further, further forward. Uh, but we thought we'd uh, stick to that because that's what Beach Mission were doing this year. So we thought we'd uh, continue on with that. But it's a really interesting passage, isn't it? As you read through that, I'm wondering whether you thought, what on earth is going on here? It's one of those passages that you read and you go, what the? A fig tree? Cursed? Jesus getting angry? What's going on in this passage? It's really, does it fit with my understanding of who Jesus is? And how does that, what's Paul going to do with this that's going to make us think about where we're really at with Jesus in 2018? Well, Paul's not going to do anything with it except let's move through it and see what it says to us and come to an understanding of hopefully we'll see what Jesus is speaking to us through this passage today and will help us to answer where we're really at with Jesus and where we'd like to be at with Jesus in 2018. How about I pray and then we'll work through it together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks for your word. We thank you particularly uh, for this passage. Lord, we pray that as we think through uh, what you are saying to us through your word, uh, that, Lord, you'll open up our hearts to you. We pray, Lord, that we'll open up our minds to you. We pray that your spirit will do a work within us, Lord, to hear what you want to have to say to us this morning from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I don't know whether you know the book of Mark very well, but the book of Mark is a great part of the Bible. It's uh, what we call one of the Gospels. Uh, it's an eyewitness account of what happened and what Jesus did, recorded for us by Mark. And out of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, which are the eyewitness accounts of Jesus, uh, this one's the most punchiest. Uh, some of the others uh, do a whole lot of extra work on it, but Mark goes bang, 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 all the way through. It's really punchy, it's really quick. You get to the end really quickly. He doesn't fluff around the edges because Mark wants us to come away from this with one clear understanding that Jesus is King. You see, right back at the beginning, uh, in Mark chapters 1 to 7, Jesus, I'm sorry, Mark gives and records for us what Jesus did to show that he is king, that he does miracles, that he heals, that he teaches, that he calms storms, that he does something and things that no one else could do unless you were the king of the whole universe, unless you were God who came and entered into this world, unless you were the saviour. That's what the people were looking for back then. They were looking for this new king to come. The king of all kings, the king above every king, the king of glory that we sang about at the beginning. That's what they were looking for. And Mark 1 to 7 says, this is the king. 
He does all these amazing things. And then from chapter 8 through the end, Mark says this is the type of king that he's going to be. Because you see, the type of king that the people back in Jesus' day were looking for was the one to come in and take out the Romans and restore Jerusalem and Israel as the kingdom, as the most powerful kingdom in the world. That was what the type of king they were looking for. But in chapters 8 through to 14 or 15, we'll see that that's not the type of king that Jesus is going to be. Because Jesus' kingdom is bigger, far bigger than just Jerusalem, far bigger than just Israel. He's the king of all. And so we jump into the middle of it. We're in chapter 11. We've jumped into the middle today. Just before this, if you read back in your Bible, if you've got it in front of you, if you've got it open, you'll see that Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And he enters in as a king. A very humble king. As a king, he comes in, and he comes into the town, and people are crying out to him. There's people lying in the streets. They're putting down branches. And they're fulfilling a prophecy back from the Old Testament where it says that the king will come in, the Messiah, the new king, will come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey on a colt. And that's Jesus in chapter 11, the very first part. It's not the king to come and wipe out the Romans, but he is the king that's been talked about all the way through the Old Testament. And he's the king that enters here. And so what does the king do the very first time that he comes into Jerusalem? He goes across to the, to the temple which is the most holy place. He goes to the temple in verse 11, you'll see. He has a quick squeeze and then he goes back to his campsite. You think, oh, well, that's interesting, isn't it? And then verse 12, we jump a day. We're into the next day. We're not sure what he did back at the campsite. Did he open up a fire? Did he sit around with his mates for a while, a bit of a chat? We don't know. But in verse 12, we find him coming into Jerusalem, walking into Jerusalem. And then we get this weird passage strange passage we get this fig tree at the beginning and Jesus looks at it and goes that is not on curses it then we jump into a middle bit and then think he's in the temple then we come back to the fig tree well who likes sandwiches there he's coming in who likes sandwiches well not many of you that's pretty sad isn't it yeah. man the old sandwich is staple diet of Australians uh, a sandwich, it's a great thing, isn't it? In a sandwich, we have three main parts. We have the bread at the top, we have the filling in the middle, and then we have the bread at the bottom. And those three things work together, don't they? But the most important part of all that is what? The middle, isn't it? You can almost go without the outsides in one sense, but no. If you want to have a good sandwich to fit it all together, then you've got to have the three. Uh, Mark uses what we call uh, sandwich technique uh, throughout Mark to bring across a major point. And so what he does, he has a sandwich bread at the top, he has the bread at the bottom, and then in the middle is where he explains it all. That's where, that's where the meat is in one sense. That's where it's at, and the meat explains the outer two. So that's what happens here in Mark chapter 11. We get the two outer bits. We hear about the fig tree. We hear about the fig tree. But then in the middle, we hear about Jesus coming to Jerusalem. And the middle interprets the outer. And in the middle, we see Jesus comes in to one of the most or the most holy place for Jewish believers. 
and he finds it dead and withered and he's just absolutely distraught about it. So now that makes a bit of sense about what the fig tree's about, doesn't it? We think, why would Jesus get angry with the fig tree? Why would he curse the fig tree? What's he doing there? Well, actually what he's doing is he's giving a visual illustration of what's happening to Israel. The middle interprets the outer. The fig tree, he comes up to it. Looks green, but it's got no figs. The temple looks like everything's going on inside. Looks like it's spiritual and alive, but it's got no fruit. The fig tree has an excuse. It's not fig time, but the temple has no excuse. They should know. They should know what's the right way to worship God. They should know, and they should recognise the king. At the end, we see the fig tree is dead and withered and no more temple. Israel is dead and withered. It's horrible, isn't it? Sad. The fig tree is a visual illustration of where Israel is at. Now we're going to think how does that relate to us in a minute as well. Because are we like the fig tree? Are we like temple and those that are worshipping there where are we at with Jesus well Jesus comes in doesn't he, he comes to that temple remember that's the outside, the middle's what he's come to and this is where it's at this is the important part of it all and he comes in and he enters into the temple courts and he gets upset, he gets mad he goes, he's, he's angry and he turns over the tables and he wipes it all out Uh, this year, oh, sorry, last year in 2017, uh, I had the, the privilege, Karen, I had the privilege of actually going to, to Jerusalem, of going to Israel. And uh, when you come to Jerusalem, uh, you come to it, it's up on a hill, and you've got to make your way up to it, and you come into it, and uh, you walk around, and it is packed, absolutely packed. There are people everywhere. Uh, tourists everywhere, guides everywhere, people everywhere. It's just crazy. When Jesus entered the temple, it was the Passover. It would have been crazy. People everywhere. And as we walked around Jerusalem, the one vision that came to my mind as I walked around Jerusalem was Jesus entering the temple and turning the tables. Because it just felt like that. There were people everywhere. Now, people coming there on special pilgrimages and all sorts of things, religious things to be there. Because remember, it's the spot, the, the second most holy place for Muslims, the most holy place for Jews, a particularly holy place for Christians. And then there's Coptics and other groups of Christians. It's just this hub of all these people. And then there's streets like this. Uh, they're just lined with shops. And there's shops with all sorts of stuff you can buy. It's everywhere, all sorts of things you can buy. All stuff's about Israel, even the bits of the cross, supposedly. Bits of Jesus here, supposedly. No, not really. But, you know, there's all this stuff you can buy and there's all these people here and it's just hectic and busy and it's so dead. It is so spiritually dead. There's people who are uh, 
Orthodox Jews, extreme Orthodox Jews, we don't see them very often uh, here in Australia, but they wear, they don't cut their hair, they've got all these curls, they wear black and white, they wear hats, uh, they are, all, even the little kids are like that, and they walk around like that as well. Uh, then there's uh, the Muslims who are there as well, and they've got their Dome of the Rock, and they're all dressed in garb and all sorts of things. Uh, and then there's the Christians who are there, who have their Holy Sepulchre, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and it is just grotesque. I'm sorry, it's grotesque. People are rubbing stones, thinking that they're going to get blessed. People are uh, putting their eyes, rubbing things. There's a stone they think that Jesus was buried on. They're kissing it. They're touching all these things. All these people are moving around this really dark, horrible building, thinking that somehow they're going to get something special here. It's just dead spiritually. I sat outside a spot inside the Church of the Holy Sepulchre where supposedly Jesus was buried, which probably is not likely the case. Uh, but there's a little spot there and, and there's lines up like forever for people to walk in, go you know, into this little building that's really ornate and all gold and all stuff around it and you climb in and if you get inside you can look down and supposedly you can see a spot where maybe there was the hole where the tomb where Jesus is buried and there's people getting in there and thinking they're going to have some special blessing that there's some sort of they're going to get some good luck out of this they're going to have this all happening it's just dead so sad Jesus comes to Jerusalem and what does he do beforehand at the top of the mountain as he's looking down on it he weeps he comes into Jerusalem and he gets angry and sad doesn't he because he said you've made this place that's supposed to be a place of prayer and worship and dedication and commitment to God and you've turned it into a marketplace where we make money and that's what Jerusalem looks like today so sad it looks like it's busy Looks like it's all about religion. It looks like it's all about spirituality. It looks like, you know, in one sense, there's people all doing all these things. Looks like it's all happening, but ultimately, that's all it is. It's people doing things. People trying to get all these special blessings and religious stuff going on, and somehow that they're going to get something extra from God here, that something's going to happen here. It's so sad. And they miss the king they miss Jesus uh, this is the Wailing Wall and uh, if you go to the Wailing Wall uh, the temple that we think is only about halfway up that we can probably know exactly what's left above that it's all been built on at different stages and all sorts of stuff and on top of that is the Dome of the Rock uh, which is the second most holy uh, Muslim place so if you're a Jew you can only go to this spot here so they have dug a tunnel underneath and try and get there uh, to get as close as they can. Um, but that's all there. And uh, you can go up onto the Dome of the Rock with special permission. Uh, but we only got to here. But as we came to the Wailing Wall and you see people praying and uh, bowing and moving and doing all sorts of things, uh, the guide says to us now, while you're here, you should write down on a piece of paper uh, a Something you want to ask God for, something that you need, something that you want something special from Him. If you want something special from God, write on a piece of paper, fold it up, and stick it in the wall because this is the closest you get to God ever. And if you go up to the Wailing Wall, 
there is bits of paper everywhere. It's all stuck in and every so often they've got to come through and they've got to clean it all out because it's just chockers with all this stuff. It's just religion, isn't it? It's just doing stuff. And Jesus says, this is not what it's on about. He comes in to clean it out, doesn't he? He clears it all out. He says, no, this is not this. It's not what it's on about, guys. It's not about religion. It's not about doing. It's about me and a relationship with me. That's what it's on about. That's where we want to be. Because he comes in and cleanses, doesn't he? He cleanses the temple. He comes in and goes and pulls it out and cleanses it and gets, it, gets rid of it. He says that's what he wants to do with you and I. He wants to cleanse us too and get rid of our religiousness and our doing and our busyness. And he wants us. That's what he wants. He wants us. We need to be careful, don't we? I don't know if you've been a Christian for a little time or a Christian for a long time or you're checking this out or you're just thinking about it. But so often we think it's about doing. Even before, if we don't know Jesus, we think it's about doing. It's about, if I do the good things and I'll be right, if I can do all this stuff, then I'll be okay. When we become Christians and we hear about what Jesus does for us, then we can actually slip back into it, can't we? We can slip back into thinking it's about the doing, it's about the activity, it's about getting on with doing, it's about looking like we're spiritual, it's about looking shining on the outside. So, you know, I run preschool, I run scripture, I teach at scripture, I lead up the front, I play in the band, I, I do the sound desk, I, I'm out the back doing morning tea, I, I mow the lawns. We can slip into that, can't we? We can slip into thinking that the doing and the activity is where it's actually mainly about. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus wants us to live for him. But that's not what he wants first and foremost. He wants you. Because you see, Jesus comes in and he clears the temple... And he says, guys, this place is a house of prayer for all the nations. You've missed it. You've completely missed what this place is all about. And that's an amazing statement. We don't gather that completely, you see, because we weren't there, we don't live there. But Jesus is actually saying that him coming here, that this place here, that actually this place and what it represents, God and who he is and the Messiah he's going to bring and the kingdom he's going to bring is for everyone. Not just for the Jews, not just if you're at this temple, but it's a prayer, it's a place for all the nations. God is a place for all the nations, for everyone. And he gives us access for all people, all nations, from all over the world. You see, the Israelites, their view of God was too small. It's not just about Jerusalem. It's not just about Israel. It's about the whole world. It's bigger than that. Far bigger than that. It's not about religion. It's not about doing things. It's about your whole life. You see, Jesus, as he comes into the temple, as he clears it, as he says this, he's saying a number of things out. He's saying, first and foremost, that access to God, that relationship with God is not about this place and not about this wall and not about this temple. It's actually going to be me. 
We don't hear that right there, do we? But if we keep going in the rest of Mark, we find out that what Jesus does when he goes to the cross, when he dies and when he rises again, he actually opens the door for everyone from any background, from any time frame, no matter how young or how old, no matter whether you've done a lot of good or a lot of bad, doesn't matter who you are, the access has been granted for you to be part of God's family because of Jesus. You can have a relationship with God now because of him. Nothing else does it. Uh, who knows what the most uh, famous or the most used password for 2017 was to get into any account? Password is up there. Password is about the third or fourth one. The most used one is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, the second most is one, 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 one. And the next one is password. We need passwords to get into everything, don't we? To get access into anything, we need a password to get there. And I don't know about you, but I lose my passwords. They're like, I've got them written down out there. And someone will probably walk in and go, oh, that's his password for that. But I've got to write them down because I get lost. I've got to change them every now and then. You know, the great news is for access to God, we don't need to change the password. We have one, and it's Jesus and Jesus alone. It's him. All we need to do is trust in him. No matter how old, how young, what you have or haven't done, what you think you're going to do or where you're going to go, it's just Jesus. All we need to do is trust in him and then we're in. We have access. That is wonderful news. We don't have to look shiny. We don't have to look religious. We don't have, we don't have to do any of that stuff. It's actually about just handing our lives over to the true king, the one true king. The one who gives us access. The one who wipes out the wall. There's no temple anymore. There's no wall anymore. There's no special country anymore. It's open to everyone. It's bigger than that. The one kingdom that Jesus comes to bring is the kingdom of eternity. That's the kingdom he's bringing in. Don't have it too small, guys. He's bigger than that. He's huge. And his salvation is huge. And it's for you. Have you made that decision yet? Do you need to recommit that in 2018? Where are you at with Jesus in 2018? He says, come in. Come to me. It's in me. This is where you have access to God and this is where you'll find life and I'll bring you cleansing and renewal. It's in me. That's good news, guys. It's great news. See, at the cross, Jesus makes that possible. And he's worthy to be praised, isn't he, because of that. And because of that, we live. And out of that thankfulness of knowing that we're there, then we do go and do stuff. We do go out and do stuff. We get out involved and we live it out. But we're not living it out to look shiny. We're living it out because we know who the one true king is and he has our life. And we live it out because of him. Now, the chief priests and uh, the guys didn't like that much, did they? They got pretty upset because they knew what Jesus was saying. They knew that he just said, this is actually open to everyone. And they get annoyed and they get peeved off and they get really angry about it. And people do that today too sometimes, don't they? They get angry about it. But you're here this morning, so I'm assuming you're not angry. I'm assuming that you're either interested or you are there. 
And so Jesus, when he talks about prayer, he says he gives us access to all. And he says that that's the way that we should be living our lives and that's what we should be doing. But there's also another part of prayer. And when you go to the waiting wall and when you go and watch and you just observe, uh, you can go into this side section beside it uh, and it's really fascinating and there's libraries of stuff uh, and so this is a Jewish library and there's people in there, there's people in there preaching and teaching and there's people there praying and when they pray, they don't pray like this, they pray like this. Now that's a good thing, isn't it? There's a visual representation when Jesus is talking about prayer. He's not thinking of this. This is us who somehow made this idea of an arrow or something towards God or some sort of... I don't know where it came from. But this is a better picture. Because this picture is I'm saying, Lord, I am yours. I am open to you. You come and do a work in me. It's a great picture, isn't it? Jesus is saying that to the people there and he's saying that to us this morning. To open your arms. To open your hands. To know that Jesus wants to come and live with you and in you through, your, through his spirit and to live and guide you and work with you and for you to live under him as his king with your hands open. Open to him. You see, all of us have different lives, don't we? All of us have got different backgrounds. All of us have had an interesting 2017, uh, maybe interesting lives before that. And in all of that, as we look back on it, there can be a whole lot of messy stuff going on, can't there? Lots of stuff happening all over the place, lots of things going on all over this place, all this stuff happening. Our lives have probably been just... We're just not sure what's going on with some of them. But you see, God is working within that and God actually wants to bring you to him and take you on a journey with him and wants to take that mess and he's working within that mess to build out and bring about his will and his plan so that you become the people who he created, that you start doing the things that he created you for and you start growing into being the people that God made you for in the first place. He takes all that messy stuff and he brings it forward and he brings about his plan and his masterpiece in your life. That's what he wants to do with you. That's what he wants to do with me. That's what he wants to do with us. That's what he wants to do with us in 2018. He wants us to recognise that with our hands open. He wants us to submit to that and trust him in that. He wants us to go out and live that in the everyday life that he provides for us. Uh, this is a little clip that will help probably pull that together. At the bottom, if you slide down a little bit, there'll be a play button. Can you see it? Beautiful. I've heard it. You've heard it. It's time for a new beginning. Time to start a fresh page or paint a new picture with our life. Sounds great in theory, but it can seem impossible. Life is messy. The lines have gotten blurred. Maybe we just don't know where to start. We look at the canvas of our lives and see mistake after mistake after mistake. It's overwhelming. When I look at my life with 
these messy lines and scribbles. Makes me think, is this as good as it gets? There's no eraser that can make this life make sense. But what if? What if there was someone that could make sense of our mess? They could take all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our missed opportunities, and make them into a masterpiece. And then I remember, there is Jesus. He gives us a new life. Every day is new. Every day is a blank canvas full of possibility and promise. He takes our canvases, our lives that have been filled up with shortcomings, secrets, tragedies, and embarrassments, and he helps them make sense. When I look at the canvas of my life and I see nothing but disorder and chaos, I have to remember this. God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of peace. And you know what? He wants to take my hand and bring peace to the canvas of my life. As we seek to make our mark, let us give God all our scribbles, all our mistakes, all our hurts, and trust that he will turn our messy lives into a masterpiece, his masterpiece. take everything doesn't he not just part of not just the things that we do not just the stuff that we've got around us he wants to take our whole lives so Jesus is saying in his stories he's saying he wants the whole lot you see when you get to verse 21 and they come back and they've looked at the fig tree after they've been in Israel the disciples are going what's going on here the fig tree and then what does Jesus say he says have faith in God he's saying give everything to him who we know is to give everything to Jesus and then he goes and gives these really amazing statements in verse 21 down. He says, if you pray, you can move mountains and all this sort of stuff. And what he's saying is, this is a contrast, isn't it? It's a contrast to the deadness that he sees at the temple, to the aliveness that we have in Jesus. That in him, all things are possible in that sense. He uses hyperbole. Don't get me wrong. There is no one in the New Testament who walks out of there and goes around and moves mountains, by the way. And he's not talking about just stuff in our lives and mountains, but he's just saying it's a complete trust. He's using hyperbole to the extreme. It's like when he says, if you sin, cut your arm off, gouge your eye out. He's using hyperbole to say, this is the opposite. This is religious doing. This is complete trust and living. Living for him in everything. And he can do amazing stuff. Prayer to him, forgiveness to others is those last few verses. That's giving of our whole selves to him and living that out. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's the contrast. It's a wonderful passage, isn't it? It seems like you get to the beginning and say, what the? At the end you go, oh, thank you, Lord. How good is this? Where are you at with Jesus in 2018? He is the one true king. The one who provides access to God. The one who cleanses and restores. The one who gives us life 
and meaning and purpose, the one who's going to guide us and take everything and make it into a masterpiece. Where are you at with Jesus in 2018? Where would you like to be at with Jesus in 2018? Jesus says, come. Open. Open your hands. Open your heart. Open your life. And I will take it and I will cleanse it. I will renew it and I'll make it into a masterpiece. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we uh, contemplate what we've read and what we've heard and what we've seen, as we think about that, Lord, in our own lives, as we think about where we're at with you, Lord, some of us this morning want to just say, Lord, come and take control. Lord, we open our hands to you and submit all to you. Well, some of us want to do that for the first time. Some of us want to do that for maybe the umpteenth time. Some of us want to do that for the hundredth time. Well, we want to hand our lives over to you. Lord, come and cleanse us. Come and restore us. Come and empower us by your spirit, Lord, to live lives of total dependence upon you. To live that out in every aspect of our lives, in every relationship that we have, in any situation that we have, in every part of our lives, may it be a reflection of us being totally dependent upon you. Having faith, trusting in you, Lord. As we do that, Lord, we pray that we'll grow in our love and our understanding and our sense of who you are and the sense of who we are in you, Lord. Lord, we look forward to 2018. We look forward to what you're going to do in us and through us and with us, Lord, as we lay our lives before you. Heavenly Father, we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.